Quantum Marketing Radio, the marketing podcast for insurance agents and financial professionals. And welcome to another episode of Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy. Hey, everyone. That's Jeff Thompson. And we are talking digital marketing today. We've got the pleasure of having Craig Rohde on the show, a digital marketing consultant here in Minnesota. And uh, Craig has actually helped some of our producers undo many of the mistakes they do uh, in terms of how they present themselves out on the internet and social media. And um, we want to share with you some of those common mistakes and how to correct them and make sure you're having more success in the digital space. Yeah, I think uh, part of the reason we have Craig with us today is that really uh, digital marketing is such an uh, area that most advisors and agents have neglected and uh, they need a lot of help there. So we want to kind of point you in the right direction. So Craig, welcome. Oh, you guys are being too kind to me. Too <laughs> kind. <laughs> well, Just- just a humble person that knows the internet. Oh, I <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let's let's just start out with the basics. You know, we work with producers of all ages. Some are very well versed in, um, you know, the technicalities of making sure that they are present, that they have a presence on the internet, which is important. And some older advisors that we work with that, frankly, struggle to type an email. So as you're consulting agents and advisors how to have a better presence on the internet, what are some of the basic things you're starting with? This industry is kind of really, it's, it's kind of uh, very interesting about how uh, it's kind of like a conflict of, of generations is that you're not just, uh, you know, you're not selling cupcakes, you're actually selling um, you know, retirement planning, uh, life insurance, uh, and the thing is that there's generational gaps, and then and that goes with technology. So the thing is, is that with this industry, is it's it's like almost over the technology hill that it's it's ready for the internet, but it's kind of not ready. So this is kind of what the problem I have to deal with is that a lot of these um, producers haven't had much like uh, they haven't spent a lot of time setting up their their, uh, their websites, their social media, their local SEO, and even their SEO. And uh, basically just going in and be like, listen, we need to just throw a nuke at, at this <laughs> and just start from scratch. <laughs> and I've done that with a couple uh, producers already. And I just said, you know, this is a great website, but it's not working now for you. So we need to trash it start over and actually like claim you know the basics the google business page um making sure that there's other uh business uh pages that have been created automatically through the systems are actually claimed because your competitors can easily claim that and deter traffic away from your website or your online presence and there's i mean like not to be negative towards the profession that I'm actually in, but there are people out there who actually get paid to, you know, sabotage other um, businesses, local SEO and SEO. Uh, it's called, uh, there's like two sets of, of classes. There's white hat SEO, which is the good kind where 
the one that Google is desperately trying to promote, and there's Black Hat SEO. And Black Hat SEO is the hacking, the manipulation of the keywords, keyword stuffing, claiming stuff that's not there. So you have to have some sort of professional like me to say, listen, we need to do X, Y, and Z before someone else does X, Y, and Z for you. And that's kind of like the major issue I've dealt with, but there's a lot of producers who are actually getting on the ball and spending time learning actually how this works. And I can't stress that enough with these producers is just to spend 10 minutes a day to just find out what's what's new. Just type in SEO news or um, digital marketing and there's probably maybe five or six stories that are probably three paragraphs long that you could easily read and, and say like, oh wait, maybe I should talk to someone about this and so. Let me just pause you there for a second because I just want to go backwards because we've kind of jumped into a conversation about what not to do with your website and how to maximize it. But there are producers out there that don't even have a website. No, and that's kind of that's kind of the weird thing is is that the website the website is basically business card 2.0. It's it's how people are going to create trust, determine if you are a legitimate person to do business with, and what type of re reputation you have. Um, Ten or fifteen years ago, a website was something your nephew maybe mentioned at dinner table, but now it's a serious business asset that you need to focus on. Is that the white pages, the yellow pages, newspapers, and I'm gonna get a little pushback when I say this, is are basically dead. Because honestly, I have yet to meet someone who has bought a car because they read an ad in a newspaper. <laughs> either I found them in the yellow pages today. Yeah. Yeah, there's either car list or car soup or or Craigslist or there's tons of online portals that have information updated by the minute. And so, I mean, just the flow of information now is incredible. And then producers need to embrace the idea of actually having a digital uh, marketing footprint or they will be left in the dust. Okay, so that's backtracking that. The reason why any of this stuff matters is that there's been a transition from uh, newspaper print and all these other media that used to be the reliable source for information for shopping for something new uh, those were basically dead and now you have to have a number of different pieces of the puzzle online in order for people to find you today so what are what are those pieces basically is that just to go a little bit back is that even go further is that insurance agents um, used to build reputation around like uh, the local coffee cup where if you did a really great job for you know someone who was a serious business uh, leader in the community is that they would speak highly about you and then word of mouth or good reputation would be spread like when that person had coffee with the rest of the city leaders and stuff like that but now um, information is so fast is that you have to realize that as soon as you're done talking to someone a client or maybe a joint venture or anybody like that is that the moment that they get away from you they're gonna pull up the phone and type your name into Google and find out um, you know do you actually are you legit basically and so um, and are you saying that in the eyes of a consumer or a prospect that you cannot be a legit advisor if you don't have a presence somewhere online it's kind of like uh, avoiding trying to be that one fly-by-night type of look to 
towards your business is that um, a couple blog posts, maybe a press release or, or some sort of website that says that can display that your expertise will do wonders and actually shrinks down the sales funnel for um, people to you know, engage and actually say like, hey, I want to seal this deal. Um, back then, you know, you had to build, build up to that point, you know, talk, giving them information, talking to them, going through product. But if people realize that you know actually what you're doing and through the display, through any sort of digital asset, it's so much easier for you just to say, hey, go here, read this, come back to me. We'll talk about it in, in detail and let's seal the deal. So the problem that you're really solving by getting online is that incongruity between somebody that might be an expert and really good at what they do and not being on the internet and communicating that clearly and taking care of all these different uh, social media and internet assets is really the way to make that congruent. So somebody that is an expert, but they also appear online as an expert as well. Yeah. So what are, just to go back again, what are those pieces you know what are the pieces that a typical advisor uh, isn't doing today other than we know they often don't even have a website as Louie mentioned hmm. uh, and I've seen that too what other pieces are they missing I'll put this into two categories is beginner and then advanced is that if you're a beginner you need a website even it doesn't even have to be fancy just a one page website would be perfect for someone who's just starting uh, on the internet, just a simple, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is my experience, this is how you can email me, this is how you can call me, um, and a nice photo, I can't stress that enough, is that a nice photo is, you know they say uh, a photo's worth a million words or something like that, it's, they're not lying, it's actually a nice photo does wonders for your profiles. So no mug shots. No mug shots. <laughs> <laughs> and no pictures from Cabo too. Avoid that. Um, <laughs> go for your website. Uh, buy a little email marketing program uh, so you can send out information to potential people and you can start collecting email addresses. And stop using Hotmail and Gmail for your business email. That just screams, oh, God, I can't even imagine how many producers I've kind of worked with. They're like, oh, you can reach me at... John Smith at Hotmail.com. It just rings so many red flags to me. It's like, first of all, Hotmail was popular back in the 1990s. So let's. it doesn't cost that much for someone to get the uh, John Smith at JohnSmithInsurance.com. It doesn't cost that much, and it actually will return... Uh, on your investment. Um, I've, I mean, I work with agents that still use AOL. I was just going to say that. I've seen <laughs> I mean, if there's anything that screams 1998, it's an AOL email address. It's like, wow. oh, just send me the paperwork at my at AOL. He's like, ah, wait a minute here. I didn't know they still had email. <laughs> I didn't even know AOL was still alive. Yeah. Um, that's how I would start off. And then also spend some time and actually claim the Google My Business page. It's free, it's fast, it's the one of the greatest tools you can use to um, help promote your business. So with following up with that question, if you're advanced and you have a website, an email marketing program, and you claimed some local SEO profiles, then I would start thinking about getting really involved with Facebook and um, using 
the email addresses you've collected through your past history and, out, and using them as some sort of retargeting is that Google ads and Facebook ads have a great place for you to input these email addresses in so you can constantly kind of hit your, your email list once in a while with an ad or, um, I mean, these are people who probably, I, I would filter out the people who've done business with you, but the pe people who, have d who haven't done business with you is that perfect opportunity. There's so many opportunities for email addresses to be used above just sending out an email. You can use Facebook, ads, uh, Google ads, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Um, well, let me, let me ask you about different social media platforms because this is kind of common sense to people in our generation, Craig. Yeah. But for you know, a lot of the advisors we work with that are 50 plus, uh, you know, I don't know if they can distinguish what's appropriate on Facebook, what's appropriate on LinkedIn, what's appropriate on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. No. I, they're not using Snapchat. Let me just but, pause you. So, Leah, but from a professional standpoint, what social media platforms are the most important for them as a professional? Let me just first off say that if you if you're out there and you're a producer and you have people telling you that you should get on Snapchat because that's where the people are, is that you need to put the brakes on that. Is that you need to stop the car, pull it over to the side and check the engine because that thing is real. Is that you shouldn't be on Snapchat. You should stay away from Instagram too. Uh, there's no way that you're, you're there's no way that your business can compete against Britney Spears or any other sort of stuff. Well, this is a, because if somebody that's not familiar with the different social media platforms, they might know not know which ones are really for it personal scares, relationships. It seriously scares me that I see legit personal digital marketing agencies tell plumbing companies that, oh, you should get on Snapchat. No, don't get on Snapchat. You should be on Instagram and Snapchat. And you don't try to sell cloth. Don't try to sell. Plumbing, unclogging um, toilets on Snapchat. It doesn't work. Stick to the basics. Facebook, <laughs> stick to the basics. Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, a nice blogging platform. You can sign, just type in free blogging platform. They're free if you don't have one installed on your website. So, it, And then email. Not to interrupt here, but what you're saying then is that there are actually certain channels online that you could be using that actually are undermining your authority and credibility. Yeah, so like I think the biggest the red one. the biggest red flag I would see is that if I do a Google search for a producer and it shows up their personal Instagram account and and I look at the personal Instagram account and I see that this producer is, you know, cuckoo for cocoa puffs, I'm not going to do business with them. And so this is what I'm talking about when I talk to people about the digital footprint is that type your your name in Google and actually find out what is showing up. And if your Instagram profile is showing up, just type in Google disavow link and you can easily remove that away from associating with your name. Actually, I would first of all delete your Instagram pro if you're a serious producer because um, that could really like, the, the ability to research someone is so advanced these days is that you need to also protect your brand. And so I, that's what also, I mean, like I could spend probably a good two hours right now on your podcast talking about branding, but you just have to be protective of, of what you're doing out there. So, well, I mean, in following up to the question that Louie asked, 
You know, we've got the channels that are the most important. We've got the channels to avoid. Um, yeah, MySpace. MySpace, right? Stay away from MySpace. Another one that is probably not terribly... 1998 uh, again. Right, yeah. right. Not, tel- the, not relevant. Care anymore. So what other things that are maybe simple things can a typical producer who isn't necessarily tech savvy do to start um, turning the ship around in terms of their online authority and presence? I could sit here and list off six different steps that you need to start doing but let's do that let's let's cover six simple ones that they might be able to do before you start doing that six simple the six steps i would suggest is that the first thing that you um need to fully embrace is to actually take time and practice writing and um, start getting the habit on writing paragraphs about um, the industry that you're in and or some news and stuff like that because um, creating content is is what everyone's recommending but actually creating that content is hard so and I see that's the one thing that's frustrating like oh Craig I want to get on social media I'm just like that's great so where's your content and they're like what and it's like yeah your content the stuff that you're gonna share with people and then all of a sudden I get that doe in the headlight look and they're like, I don't understand. I said, what are you actually going to, what's your mission statement? What's your um, philosophy? What are you going to write about? And these, well, are right. the, these, are, these are platforms designed for communicating with people. Yeah. And if you don't have anything to communicate, you have a little bit of a problem. Yeah, you could be the greatest person uh, when it comes to selling face-to-face. But uh, translating that to uh, the written word is really hard for some people, and, and, but it does get better with practice. With that being said, uh, this is the f- six things I would do right away. If I was a producer starting off, this is the first six things I would do. is One, um, find a website uh, company that can easily create something for me uh, reasonable. If you're paying $1,000 for a website, and you're just starting, that's pretty expensive, is that you should probably look um, for services that can offer around the $500, $400 range. Even Squarespace, I would recommend for a platform, for a, a drag and drop platform. Uh, two, claim your local SEO. Um, find out where other businesses in your area are being listed online. And SEO, search engine optimization. Yeah. Uh, we all don't. We all don't, oh, don't live in that world. <laughs> it's all acronyms for me. Uh, <laughs> SEO, SEM, STM. Um, but no, like when I talk about local SEO, I'm not just talking about search engines. I'm talking about like your local chamber of commerce websites, your local newspaper that has a website. Um, find out where other businesses are being listed, and then find out how much that costs, and then move your business to get listed there. Uh, three. Um, create an email marketing platform, campaign monitor, MailChimp, Constant Contact. Any of those would be great. And any sort of seminars you do, any sort of interaction that you do is that you should always collect the email address. That's the biggest thing is to collect that email address because even if that person says no, three months down the road is that they might be back into the, the situation where they're getting interested in, in talking to you. So. Um, always keep that information, um, name, address, phone number. Keep it uh, updated. Keep it. Uh, try to collect as much data as you can. 
Um, what am I, four? Four, wait. So we found that most advisors you've talked to and consulted with actually already use a CRM system of some sort? Mm. Some of them do, some of them don't. And some of them use a really poorly made CRM. So um, it's important, like content management system. And so um, if you don't have ability to make real serious changes to your website, you might want to think about changing it. But um, in the last two steps, I would say is to um, create a uh, marketing PDF. I'm, I'm really trying to stress this. It's a nice PDF, a photo, a paragraph about you, how to get a hold of you, and make those uh, links live. And when you talk to a potential client, I mean, usually you just hand them a business card, but emailing that small PDF with that ability to link to all your stuff and it's much easier for a person to actually like, oh, what was that website again? Da, 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 da. Oh, wait, I have this PDF from the guy. I'll just open it up. Oh, look, all the web links are there. Uh, try to make it as easy as possible for people to get a hold of you and, and making a small PDF with a embeddable links and a paragraph about you is will do wonders for you. Well, Craig, before you go into the rest of your list, we're coming up on about halfway point <laughs> in our uh, interview here today. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and uh, continue on the other side. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Are you independent? Be part of the cutting edge in fixed life and annuity marketing for the independent agent and advisor. Discover the ECA Advantage, where you'll find the marketing systems, tools, and expert support you need to take your business to the next level. Unleash your independence with your free ECA Advantage membership today and get access to ECA's Knowledge is Power 2016 keynote speaker video series featuring Kim O'Brien talking about the DOL fiduciary rule. Call ECA Marketing at 1-800-356-4189 for more information or visit ecamarketing.com. All right, we are back here. It's Quantum Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Louis Hillman, alongside the Leverage Marketing Guy. Hey, everyone. Jeff Thompson, and we're talking to Craig Rohde about digital marketing. Marketing. Um, Who seems to have had a couple cough, couple extra cups of coffee today. So. <laughs> well, you get excited about the topic. I love That's this. what I'm we, passionate. I get crazy about this. So. <laughs> well, we've been kind of running through the mistakes that producers um, out there are making things that they're not doing or doing improperly um, and it's a lot I mean I'm you know I'm 30 years old you know pretty tech savvy and I'm listening to this going this is incredibly I, overwhelming I, I mean I wouldn't even know where to begin I know I this sounds like I can just imagine someone listening to this podcast right now and just saying Craig you're just talking straight up voodoo to me I don't understand <laughs> a, a thing about this and I, I get that. And but the thing is, is that we live in an, a day of uh, we live in an, an environment where information is available for someone to just type it in and and research this type of stuff. And and I just want to just say to everyone that don't get discouraged. Is that building a solid digital footprint takes time. You're not going to be able to do this in 24 hours, and then all of a sudden you have a thousand people logging on your website, knocking on your door. Um, building, it's just basic marketing branding. It's that it takes time to establish all these pieces and, and just take this one step at a time and don't be 
discouraged if no one's going to your website because website traffic always takes time to build. I see a lot of people saying like, well, this website's live. How come I don't have 10,000 people emailing me? Unfortunately, that's not that's not the world we live in is that it takes time. Every single piece of great marketing out there always takes time to build momentum and, and eventually it will hit its stride and produce serious results. Well, you d we did do a analysis of somebody, a producer's website not too long ago that had zero traffic. And this was a site that had been online for a while. So a lot of websites are really, uh, you know, an uninhabited island in the South Pacific. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, so, and they need help with that. But uh, I know you had a list that you had started to go through. Uh, we want to maybe, re, you know, revisit oh, and yeah, finish I'll that. Oh, I'll go through real quick. But, uh, uh, step one, the website. Step two, uh, local SEO. Step three, email marketing. Step four, um, collecting email ad addresses everywhere you go. Uh, step five would be um, claiming uh, social media properties. Um, log into Facebook, click the big search bar the, at the top, and just type your business in. Uh, nine out of ten times, even though you didn't create a Facebook page, someone has created a page for you, or the Google business system, which is kind of linked up unofficially to Facebook, has created a page. And uh, it's really important for you to claim that. Do you have to, is that a cost? No, it's free. Do you, how, how do you prove that that is your business? Uh, they'll just ask you for some information or most nine out of ten times the service will actually say we're gonna mail you a postcard and the postcard has a code on it and then you just type the code into that Facebook profile and all of a sudden it's like oh hey Bob how you doing uh, welcome to the club and you're just like oh give me a break guy and so <laughs> and then the final one is just patience even though it's not digital, but patience does wonders, is that not everything's gonna work right away. And so, uh, I think what I kinda wanna stress now is that... The takeaway from that list is that don't neglect this area yeah. of your marketing, because this is an important area that can rule you in or out based on what shows up online. And, and so... Undermine your other marketing efforts. So if you're doing seminars, and that seminar attendee has set an appointment with you that suddenly cancels, it could have been as a result of not showing up well online. And so producers can do two things. is One, get their hands dirty, get in there, and learn actually how to do this. Or they can look to um, other people or services or companies to do this. And I think the final thing I really, really want to stress with producers who are listening to this is to watch out for really really shady digital marketing agencies out there that will promise you the world if a digital marketing agency you go to and they say oh hey hey Craig and put you on the front page first slot on Google that is a, such a big red flag is that no one can guarantee uh, first page first slot in 24 days or a month or three months is that um, Google search results are based upon three basic factors, IP address, um, the relevant keyword, and if you're logged into Google Plus, or if you're actually logged into the system, because um, those three factors matter the most. And if a SEO agency or a digital marketing agency says, we can put you on the front page 
is that you need to seriously back away. You need to find a digital marketing agency that will be honest with you and say that it will take time for this, so this is our action steps. Um, they'll actually spend time with you and show you actually what they're doing and explain what they're doing. If they can't explain what they're doing to you, then you need to call the bank and cancel that check because they're probably asleep at the wheel and they're gonna probably fake the analytics. Um, and also, oh yeah, that also brings me a, a really good point. Never accept analytics from a digital marketing agency um, in a pre-made report or white label report. Ask them for the analytics export directly from Google Analytics because I've seen so many digital marketing agencies um, when they realize that their efforts aren't working is that they'll actually go in and edit the analytics to make it look better. Um, ask them for a pure exported PDF. They if want they, to get you the source yeah. analytics, not some... If they say no, they can't do it, bail. Well, really, you've laid out the two options is the producer can get their hands dirty Mm -hmm. or they can pay somebody else that's experienced and isn't starting from scratch. I know Jeff and I want our producers out meeting with clients, not getting their hands dirty in digital media. Right. Um, to, for the most part. Um, what is somebody paying to get this service done for them? I mean, how much is this going to set them back? It sounds expensive. It sounds um, complicated and something that's going to break the bank. Is, is that the case? A solid, I would say, if you are looking for um, a service and they are charging you more than a thousand dollars then i would be suspicious it, it, a basic for what i'm talking about today is that a really efficient and smart digital marketing agency should be able to do all this for under a thousand dollars and that covers services for the whole year yeah basically i mean if you don't have a website, half of it should go towards the creation of the website, and then the half should just be monthly maintenance or um, cons uh, consultation or um, just kind of maintaining it. Uh, a thousand dollar investment should carry most producers um, successfully with a nice campaign for a full year. If it gets really, if they start saying five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand ask a lot of questions, find out exactly what they're doing, get um, testimonials, not from their website, but from previous clients, and um, go from there. But a solid $1,000 investment would be great for anybody who's so it sounds, starting. Sounds like it's a little bit of the, the Wild West out there where consumers aren't really knowledgeable about this area, so they're easily taking advantage of oh, it. Yeah. Sort of like, well, like trying to get your car fixed if you don't know anything about I like to think of myself as the wide herp of digital marketing because I call, I, I'm on LinkedIn sometimes and I just call people out on this. I'd be like, well, oh, check out this website. I got it on Google first page. I'd be like, that's great. How'd you do it? Uh, blocks me. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> blocks me on LinkedIn. Is is that, uh, it's, it's, it's a crazy world out there. It's ruthless. It's, there's no governor, governing body is that, um, and there's a lot of people who do malicious stuff to other businesses to try to make their clients better. So makes yeah. selling complicated insurance products seem easy. Yeah, relatively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, but uh, I personally love it. I think it's one of the greatest things um, that this world could ever have is a connected world. 
Mm-hmm. So it's great. And also, uh, I know that are we at towards the end, right? Uh, you know, we've got about eight more minutes of the of the show. Um, I I, I really love this technology. I'm gonna plug the hell out of it. Is that um, if you listen to this podcast uh, after you get done listening, uh, Google the physic the term the physical web and read about this new um, initiative by Google to create a bridge between the real world and the digital world. And it's gonna be crazy. Uh, phones are gonna be updated with this new software in the next couple months. And you're gonna be walking to the grocery stores, um, going to movies, going to sporting events where your phone will actually- Is this the internet of things that yeah, people the, have talked about? The internet of things is that your phone will actually ding you and say, hey Craig, I see, you, I see you're by the Cheez-Its. And I'm just like, oh, how did you know that phone? And he's like, I know. Would you want 50 cents off a coupon? I'm like, hell yeah, I want 50 cents. And so <laughs> it's these type of tech. That was kind of a stupid metaphor. thought I was going to tell you to head towards the vegetable and fruit aisle instead. It might. That's what the technology this might be. But, uh, so at, speaking of mobile phones, that, that was one of the things you didn't mention is how does mobile play into all this? It seems like everybody's got a device today. Is this something that our advisors need to pay attention to and get themselves somehow connected or on mobile? Not really. I would say that you're gonna, most websites these days are responsive and they adjust automatically to the screen size. So um, I wouldn't be m- m- very worried about it right now because most of the internet's reflexible and can change to the screen size. Um, well, what about like, you know, when people are searching for services, a lot of the activity that they do online is done through their mobile device instead of mm-hmm. maybe sitting at a desktop computer these days. Uh, how does that play into it? To be a, just to be frankly honest with you, is that the odds of someone going to your website these days um, on a mobile device is kind of slim because that's where the local SEO is stressed. Uh, that's why I stress it so much is because the odds of someone looking you up is that the first thing that's going to pop up is actually going to be the local SEO profile and that they're going to have two options, go to the website or call you. And it's a 50-50 split and that most of it's going to be a phone call. But if people do click on the website button, take a look at it, um, you know, your website's already going to be responsive, so you don't really have to worry about that. But um, it's just that local SEO is very important when it comes to mobile and, lo- and businesses. So, What happens if somebody does a search and they do their own Google search and they find bad stuff out there? Disavow. How, how, do, they, how do they fix that? Just, you know, just Google the term disavow link. And um, because of the European law changes and that um, the European, uh, the EA Union, yeah, I got that right. European Union. U- European Union. Um, pretty much told Google and all these search engines that you have to provide tools for people to remove websites and the links to the keywords or names. And so Google built the tool, Bing built the tool, Yahoo uh, built the tool, and so now it's available for U.S. citizens. So well, if you find something online you don't like, you can disavow it. Would it's it, a rather quick process. Yeah, but if somebody writes a legitimate review a Google review or a Yelp review and it's tagged to your business, wouldn't you expect it to stay on the internet? 
I mean, how do you contest that? That's a different animal. I I was saying about, like, if you got tagged and um, accidentally someone typed your name in and something, but um, that's called, yeah, reputation management is is really tough for some businesses these days because one bad... And let me just ask this, because the people that are writing reviews, I mean, what motivates you to write a review? If you get good service, you're just happy with the service, right? You may not say anything at all. You won't, you'd just be happy. The people that are going to log in, whether it's about a restaurant or a hotel or about a financial services business, that are going to log in and take the time to write a review, well, more often than not are going to be the people that are upset. They're scorned, and they want payback. And that the quickest way for people to get payback on businesses these days is to write a nasty review. Um Unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of the beast is that if you do provide bad service and the customer isn't happy that they're going to come back and bite you online in the reviews. So well, even presumptively, if you provided good service, but some reason for some reason they don't like you or are unhappy with the result, uh, you know, it could be a form of slander potentially. You, what kind of recourse does somebody have here and what can they do? You can go through the service and dispute it and ask um, for the, even Google has a system, Yelp has a system that you can actually file an appeal for these reviews, but if you're offering bad service and you're being reviewed that way, is that you shouldn't be really spending time trying to disavow these <laughs> reviews. You should actually take a look at how your business is working and maybe fix it because it's, it's like a restaurant. Like There's tons of restaurants where it's like the dishes were dirty. As it's consistent, it's just not one person. Is that I would actually spend money on the dishwasher versus spending time trying to disavow these reviews. <laughs> but that's just me, though. I mean, is there any way to get more positive information out there to offset that or to encourage? Um, you can't really pay to play type of mentality for reviews, but um, I'm not even saying reviews, just when somebody does a search. Is there a way to make sure that that stuff isn't the most prominent thing that pops up? Um, press releases, blogging, um, you kind of want to... So content, content creation of some sort? Yeah, so I mean, just pretend it's a bucket and you have 10% of that bucket is filled with bad reviews, is that the greatest thing you could do is just to start pouring a lot of good reviews and try to um, stuff the bucket full of good reviews so people don't get to see the bad reviews so just be be a great business do customer great customer service and then write a blog or send out a press release it's so easy these days that it's insane why people don't do it so or at least pay somebody to do it pay for someone them. to do it so yeah I, I i still feel like there's a lot here that a lot of advisors and agents are going to feel a little bit overwhelmed with these steps um so maybe we'll have to have another, another future interview where we, you know, simplify it even further into actions that may only take a little bit of time. I can uh, do a thirty-minute presentation just on LinkedIn. So no, I get that. So yeah. it's you know, pick one thing that you think maybe is most important. Think about that in the future where we'll uh, uh, have a have a discussion of that so that they can have some real actionable thing on maybe just one subject, because this does seem like a lot. I don't know about you, Louie, but it seems like a lot to me. And I'm pretty familiar with this stuff, so. Absolutely, and um, the other thing about this is it's still evolving. It's, 
I what's think. relevant today may not be as relevant three months from now. Well, right, like earlier in the call, we mentioned that there's still people that have AOL email. Well, you know, for the most part, that's a company that doesn't even exist anymore. Sure, and the world spins faster. The yeah. change happens that much faster than it used to. Right, right. Well, I think we're about to wrap it up here, Craig. So any guys, final thoughts? Guys, let me just say that it's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. Uh, it's just, I had a great time, basically. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, sharing your expertise. <laughs> we'll see you yeah. on Snapchat. Yeah, yeah, find me on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, no Snapchat here. All right, well, thanks, everyone. Are you independent? Be a part of the cutting edge in fixed life and annuity marketing for the independent agent and advisor. Discover the ECA Advantage, where you'll find the marketing systems, training, products, compensation, and expert support you need to take your business to the next level. Sign up for your free ECA agent account to get access to ECA's Knowledge is Power 2016 Keynote Speaker Video Series. For more information, call ECA Marketing today at 800-356-4189 and ask for your marketer or visit ecamarketing.com. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Find out more about the Quantum Marketing System at quantummarketingsystem.com. 